tonight. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, thanking you first and foremost for the wonderful, precious opportunity to gather into your house tonight, God. But Lord, above that, God, to be able to come into the very throne room of grace, Lord, to know that, God, we can come before the creator of this world, to know, Lord God, that even though we are filthy sinners, Lord, you died for us, Lord, and you loved us even before we accepted you, Lord. And now that we have accepted your love, God, we can boldly come into the throne room of grace. Lord, I'm so thankful, God, that tonight we serve a living God, a God that is able to do any and everything, Lord. And because of the blood that was poured out on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago, Lord, we stand here as children of the Most High God. We stand here tonight forgiven. We stand here tonight pardoned. We stand here tonight redeemed. We stand here tonight healed by the precious blood of your Son, Jesus, Lord. And nothing else is greater. Nothing else is more wonderful to talk about than the precious blood of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are able to meet every we need and we bring these needs before you Lord whether it's sickness within the body Lord whether it's wisdom and direction that is needed God whatever the need is Lord we bring it to you and ask him Father that you would move upon it God as we know we're living in perilous times as we know that you're soon to return Lord I pray let us be found watching and waiting but God let us also be found fulfilling the great commission that you have left to us that you've given to us as your disciples and to go out into all of the world telling others about Jesus Christ, Lord. God, let us not hold within ourselves, Lord, this great and wonderful gift that the world needs, the greatest gift that you've ever given to the world, your son Jesus. But Lord, let us proclaim it, Lord, wherever we go, not only with our words, but also in our, in our deeds and in our actions. Lord, let the love of Christ exude from our physical bodies, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, for tonight to be able to stand and to teach your word. Lord, we just ask that you would give us the anointing, the help of your Holy Spirit tonight to rightly divide your word. Lord, let us not do it any harm, God, but Lord, let every word that is spoken tonight be saturated in your oil, Lord, and that, God, it would go forth and touch the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord, there would be a true moving of your spirit within the hearts of your people, God, and that a deep revelation of your word would come to them through the power of your Holy Spirit. We will not fail to give you praise praise for it all in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Again, we thank you. Those of you that have joined, uh, hopped on here, share this if you can. And uh, again, thank you for being with us tonight. So we'll be picking back up in Romans chapter six again tonight, uh, where we have been. Um, it seems probably for the last eight weeks. Uh, but I was telling Stacy earlier that uh, I don't, I don't uh, regret it. And, uh, and I'm not going to apologize for it because I think sometimes we fly through stuff too quick. And uh, the word, you can take one scripture of God's word and preach on it day in and day out. Read it day in and day out and God will continue to reveal uh, something new to your heart each and every single day because we know this word is a living word. Amen. Amen. And I want to encourage you, get into the word each and every single day and let the Lord speak to you. And I promise uh, that it will be a tremendous help in your walk with the Lord. So Romans chapter 6, we're going to attempt to get through verse 7 through 11 uh, tonight. Uh, so Paul here would say, for he who is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, 
but in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. One of the greatest truths uh, that we can learn and come to understand uh, is who we are in Christ. And I've said it before and will continue to keep repeating it, is that there is a major problem within the church today of knowing uh, who we are. Uh, who we are in Christ, uh, because a lot of people's identity is not wrapped up in the person of Christ, but it is wrapped up in what they do, or it is wrapped up in the denomination that they're a part of, in the preacher that they follow, in their last name. But as children of the Most High God, your identity and my identity is not in anything that I do or in where I go, but it is all wrapped up into Christ. And so there's an identity crisis that is within the church today, because we don't know who we are. Amen? And that's the problem with the church, and the church cannot adequately be who God has called us to be to the world, because we don't even know who we are. And until we realize who we are, and until we know that our identity is in Christ, we'll never truly be able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he can do in the heart and life of an individual who is not saved, until we first realize who we are and what he's exactly done for us. And if you ask the average Christian, and, they'll, and, and they love the Lord, and they're saved, and they said they accepted Jesus Christ, that they believed in their heart, and they confessed him with their mouth, and they understand that they've been forgiven of their sins, but that's as far as their knowledge goes to salvation. And here, Paul in this chapter is unveiling uh, the, the, uh, the meaning of the new covenant. And because of our salvation, because of what Christ did, yes, we have received pardon of our sins. Yes, we have received forgiveness. Yes, grace has flowed. But it goes so much deeper into that. And here, Paul was letting us know that you have been freed from sin. And that right there is not what is understood and known to the average believer. They don't understand what truly took place the day that they said yes to Jesus Christ. Again, they, they believe and they recognize that they were forgiven of their sin. But they don't recognize that they were disconnected, if you will, from the sin nature. That it no longer has power over them, but they have been set free. And so now there's no reason to have a problem with the sin nature anymore if we truly understand what took place. But the problem is, is we don't understand what took place and we find ourselves battling with an issue, battling with the bondage, and because we don't understand what took place at Calvary, then we set out to try to do something that's already been done for us 2,000 years ago. That's right. And that right there, listen, this is the greatest truth that a believer could ever know. Do we need to know about his healings? Yes. Do we need to know and it be preached to us that God's a miracle working God? Absolutely. But to the believer, the greatest thing that you can know is how to walk in perpetual victory each and every single day of your life. Right. Because healings is great, miracles is great, but when you are living underneath the bondage of sin, and that could be a million and five hundred thousand things, it becomes burdensome to you. It is like a heavy weight because you now have received Christ. You don't want to do what you're doing. You hate the fact that you're sinning. You've tried over and over and over again to get freedom from it. You beg for God's forgiveness. You're frustrated within your spirit because you don't understand what is going on with you because you know that. That you love the Lord, you know that you've accepted him, but yet you've got this problem that is going on. 
And it's all because we don't understand what took place. And the enemy don't want us knowing this. He don't want the meaning of the new covenant unveiled. He don't want it taught to believers because this right here is the answer. This is not just a new answer. This ain't something new. This is what's always been around. And a lot of people think, well, that's the new message. No, no. The cross of Christ has always been, amen. And this right here is what was given to the Apostle Paul. So it's not a new message. It's not a new revelation. It's not something that we just come up with. It is the foundation of who we are in Christ. It's the meaning of the new covenant. Jesus Christ is the new covenant, amen? And because of what he's done, we now can have abundant life. The debt of sin has been paid. It's been taken care of. He's took every single one of them away. That means when you came to Jesus Christ, he took away your sin, but he also disconnected the power of the sin nature that once ruled and reigned inside of you and has now connected you to the new power source, the Holy Spirit. And that's how now that righteousness and holiness, who is a person, the person of Christ, can now flow through you and through your members because you're hooked up to a new power source. You're not hooked up to that source of power of the sin nature where evil deeds was being produced out of you each and every single day. Now righteousness and holiness can flow through you, the fruit of the Spirit, because you're plugged up to the power source of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let me tell you, the help of the Holy Spirit that you and I need in our hearts and in our lives to live this life comes by our faith constantly, every day, being exclusively in Christ and what he's done. We view the cross for salvation. We look to the cross. We think about the cross when the preacher preaches a salvation message. We, we think about the cross uh, when we see a picture of it. But outside of that, that's as far as our mindset and knowledge of the cross goes. When the cross of Christ should be embraced every single day of our hearts and lives. Not just one time a day, but throughout the day. For everything that you're facing, embrace the cross. Because that's your answer. That's your solution. And let me tell you, it's not just a answer. It's not just one of the solutions. It's the only solution. It's the only answer for whatever it is that you're facing in life. Embrace the cross. Well, why do you say embrace the cross? Are you talking about that wooden beam? God, no. We're talking about the activity that took place on that wooden beam. The wooden beam doesn't possess any power. It wouldn't have mattered if it would have been an oak tree or made out of oak or pine or whatever. It was what was done there. It was the atonement for our sin. And that right there is what has given us life. He paid the debt of sin so that now you and I can have relationship with God. So that now the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit can live inside of me, can live inside of you. Whereas before the death of Christ, it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit could live inside of the people before. Well, were they saved? Yeah, they were saved because they were looking towards something that was going to take place. Now we look back to something that has taken place. But we've got a better covenant based off of better promises because now I don't have to live by law. I've got the person of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Amen. Do you realize that tonight? And I'm ahead of myself. But, but God, the Holy Spirit, and he's not an it. He's a person living inside of a person. You've got a person. That's why I don't need law to guide me anymore. I've got the Holy Spirit who will guide me. I've got the Holy Spirit who will teach me. I've got the Holy Spirit who will say, don't go there. Don't do that. 
Don't say this. Go and make that right. That's the person of the Holy Spirit who's living inside of you and who's dwelling inside of you, who leads you, who guides you, who directs you. That never could be before the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. But when the blood was shed, the veil was ripped in two, the Holy Spirit descended, and now lives inside of the born-again believer. Well, when does he come in? The moment he says yes to Jesus Christ. Right. And he don't go on a probationary period. That person don't say, well, you got to prove yourself to see if you're the real deal. No, no. The moment you get saved, the moment you evidence faith in Christ and what he's done, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside. Glory to you. It takes up residence. Yes, he comes and lives inside, and he wants to invade every bit of our lives, every bit of our hearts, every bit of our being. He wants to invade and come and do a work. Amen? Amen. All right, so again, the person of Christ should be known and understood, and you'll find the meaning of who the person of Christ is in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read them, absolutely, and we should know everything about the person of Christ. But the work of Christ at the cross needs to be learned by the believer as well. Right. So we want to learn about the person of Christ, and absolutely we should. But you need to also learn the work of Christ at the cross. This is what the Apostle Paul continuously taught on in the 14 epistles that he wrote. He focused not on the person of Christ, but on the work of Christ. Now think about that. All of the epistles, and if you believe that he's the writer of Hebrews, which we believe that he is, he wrote 14 epistles, and you will find that the whole premise of everything that he wrote was on the work that he did at Calvary. And because of the work that he did at Calvary, what you and I now have, the Gospels uh, focus on his person, his ministry, his healing, his saving, all of that stuff. But Paul focused on the work of Calvary. So if his emphasis was on the cross of Christ, if his emphasis was on the death of, of Jesus Christ and what he there did, should that not be the emphasis of our ministry? Of what he did at Calvary for us. But see, the problem is people don't understand the word. They look at him and he's he died. That's where I got saved. Now let's move on. You're, you're holding people back when you don't preach anything else but the cross. You're holding believers and keeping them as babies. No, you're not. That's how we mature in the Lord, by preaching Christ and him crucified. Because the maturing that takes place in me, the maturing that takes place in you is not done by us. It's only done by one person, the Holy Spirit. And how he works to mature us is by us looking to Calvary which then gives the Holy Spirit the go-ahead to work in mine and your life. I can't clean myself up. You can't clean yourself up. That comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that maturing that needs to take place, the growing that needs to take place in my life, in your life, comes through the agency of the Holy Spirit. And how he works is by us looking to the cross. So that's why if you come here, you listen here, you're going to hear Christ and the crucified. And if you've been coming here for any length of time or been watching, and I know testimonies have been coming in already, 
directing, you will see fruit being developed in your life. Why? Because you're being redirected back to the cross. Whereas before, maybe you never viewed it. You're looking to Christ. You're hearing about what he's done. You're realizing that everything flows through what he did at Calvary through his precious blood being poured out. And that's where the Holy Spirit wants you to be. And he's like, yes, I can now go to work like I want to. And you're seeing fruit taking place in your heart and life and seeing the ministry of the Holy Spirit done more in the last two or three months than it has in the last couple of years. Why? Because you're focusing on his work. Why? Because we're preaching to you Christ and him crucified. And as we're preaching this, something's going off inside of your head. It's bearing witness with your spirit. And the Holy Spirit, what we're preaching, the anointing of God's word, God's word is the Holy Spirit saying, listen to this. It's not me. It's not me. It's the word. Amen. Because he's saying, listen to what he's saying. Listen to what they're saying. Look to Jesus. Look to what he did at Calvary. Because that's your answer. That's your solution. For whatever it is that you're going through. Amen. So we need to understand this. And, and how we understand to walk in victory is that we have to understand we got to depend on the power, again, of the Holy Spirit for daily living. Along with also how he comes to work in our hearts and lives. You see, within this chapter, we find how the sin nature was defeated. And it was defeated by a finished work of Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. And because of that, we can see the results. We can see the results of that finished work, of that accomplished work being accomplished in us. You see, he wants his accomplished work to accomplish something in us. And what's accomplished in us is by looking to him. That's how he accomplishes the work. That's how he performs the work inside of me and inside of you. By looking to his accomplished work. See, we're not looking to him. We're looking to everything else and thinking, that's what I need to grab hold on. That's what I need to embrace. And if I'll embrace that, that's where I'll receive the help. If you embrace anything else other than the cross, then you're not going to receive any help in your walk with the Lord. You're not going to grow. It's impossible to grow in the Lord without the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is he who matures you. It is he who helps you to develop and to become more Christ-like. It is he who transforms you. Was it not he that baptized you into Christ? Was it not the Holy Spirit who took you as this, when you came to Jesus Christ as a sinner, he took you, placed you into the, the cross of Christ, into the baptized you into Christ, you were buried with him and as the spirit raised him up the spirit raised you up too it was the power and the work of the holy spirit and that's what he's doing he's out in this world today seeking and wooing hearts to come to jesus christ it's the power of the holy spirit we recognize this for conviction we recognize this for sinners to come to jesus but then we push him out to the side and say now i got this no no you couldn't save yourself. You're not going to clean yourself up either. Amen? So we learn from chapter 1 of this book of Romans, the sin that plagued the Gentile world. And if you read it, you'll see where Paul uh, laid out all of the sins that was going on and, it's, and, and the, the, uh, the debauchery that was taking place. And, and we see sin running rampant in the world today. And we know that from sin that is within man comes the wrath of God unless repented of. 
Okay, so we see the Bible says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. God's hatred of sin is revealed in his word within the scripture. And because all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God, because man is born into original sin, a guilty verdict has been passed upon all of humanity. A guilty verdict has been passed upon you, has been passed upon me, has been passed upon everybody because we're born into sin. We, upon our own, are guilty, guilty as charged. And the only remedy to get us from that guilty state to a not, not guilty but to an innocent state of never having even sinned is by accepting Christ, receiving his righteousness that God demands for man to then be accepted. The only way you can come to Christ, the only way you can come before the throne room of grace is to be perfect, is to be holy. And I've got news for you. You ain't perfect and holy on your own. That's right. And there's no amount of works that you can do even after getting saved that can keep you holy. Because holiness is not something you do. Holiness is a person. And that person is Christ. So you are holy because you possess the person of holiness. It's Christ Jesus. That's why he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's the blood that he's looking at tonight when he looks down upon you and me and that he can now bestow his favor and his blessings because he sees the blood, which means you accepted his provision. You said yes to God's plan. And because you said yes to God's plan, God says, I see I'm, I'm pleased with because you've accepted Christ. To not accept Christ means you're not being pleasing to the Lord, even after salvation. Because we look to the cross, we look to Christ and what he's done for salvation, but when it comes to living for the Lord each and every single day, we don't look to Christ as finished work. We look to ourselves. And so what does that say? That means what we're offering to the Lord is not of faith, it's works. And works is abhorring to the Lord. Look at, the, look at the sacrifices of Cain and Abel. Thank God, though, we're justified by our faith and we've got peace with the Lord. But when it comes to doing anything for the Lord, when it comes to receiving anything from the Lord and talking here about victory, it doesn't come through anything we do. It comes through what's already been done and our faith placed in that. Amen. So now we're in Christ. And Paul says here, we talked about this last week, do you not know that you have been baptized into Christ and that you've also been baptized into death. See, listen, not knowing what took place and understanding what took place will affect your daily walk before the Lord regarding victorious living. If you don't understand and you don't know and keep that at the forefront of your mind and the forefront of your heart, it will affect your walk before the Lord each and every single day. You will not truly walk in newness of life. Because you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're walking after flesh. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are who? In Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Which tells me then, if I'm walking after the flesh, condemnation is going to follow. It's only walking in Christ Jesus, amen, that who don't walk after the flesh. That means we're not looking to ourselves. We're not looking to our abilities. We're not looking to our talents and our strengths. But we're looking to what he's done and realizing when you look to the cross, my God, when you look to the cross, you see how guilty you are. 
You see how horrible you are. There's not a time when you look, or it should be that way anyway, and there's not a time when you view the cross and you view the activity of what took place that it don't hit your heart. He done that for me. It should hit you that when I look at the cross and when I hear about the blood of Jesus Christ being poured out, when I hear about the torment that he went through, when I hear about what he endured for me, it makes me realize and recognize and admit all over again that I am a guilty sinner. But it also makes me look to the person of Christ and value him now more than ever before. Because I said, he did that for me. And because he did that for me, I can now walk in newness of life each and every single day. You see, when you got saved, you were given a new life. And now the Lord expects, and it should be, you walk out that new life. But the problem is, if we don't look to the work of the cross and we don't look to Christ and what he has done there, then we're not going to receive the help of the Holy Spirit like we need to walk out this new life. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense tonight? This new life has to be lived by faith. If we live it by feelings, you're not going to experience resurrected life. You've got to live a crucified life, denying yourself each and every single day to now live a resurrected life, to now have an abundant life. But it will come by you staying dead and living by faith so that Christ Jesus can now live in you and through you. It's by faith. That's what he was talking about in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This life that I now live, I live by faith. By faith of the Son of the living God who loved me, who gave himself for me. That's the simplicity of the gospel. But we have gotten so far off course from the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity is Jesus loved me. Jesus died for me. I've accepted a new life, and now I'm living by faith every day. But what happens when you don't embrace the cross, then you automatically transfer into the feelings. But when you embrace the cross, that's faith. That's faith. I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith in what he's done. Have I seen it? No. But I know that I know that I know. Oh, yeah. How do I know? Because an encounter always trumps an argument each and every That's single right. time. Amen. You can argue with me all day long that he's just a historical person and that nothing was done there. But let me tell you, I've had an encounter Amen. and that encounter will trump your argument all day long because I know who I used to be. I know what I was, but I know who I am today. And I know that it wasn't Nothing but Holy Ghost miracle working power that turned this old wretched sinner into a glorified saint today. Amen? It's only the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So Paul said, do you not know? So right here we see where sin was addressed. And it is the cross. When he says, do you not know in verse 6 that our old man is crucified with him? He's saying this right here is where sin was addressed. So the sin problem the sin nature that is within us was addressed at Calvary. So when you've got a problem with sin, don't try to hide it. Don't try to cover it up like Adam did. Don't try to push it away and run from God. No, run to the cross. Yeah. That's mercy. That's grace. Yeah. And when you truly understand the meaning of the new covenant, you'll realize that he's a God of love and that he's yeah. not going to sit kick me out and he's not looking at me with angry eyes and scorning his face at me. No, he's looking at me the same way he looked at Peter with eyes of mercy. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, bring it to me. So whatever problem that we got in our life, whatever the sin may be, 
We deal with it by doing what? Taking it to the cross. By taking it to Christ and what he did and getting it up underneath the blood of Jesus. And then in return, say, Lord, I give you this sin. In return, I'm going to take the victory that you want over this sin at Calvary. He defeated it. So you're giving him the bondage. You're giving him the sin. And, and it's like, I'm, okay, I'm handing you this, Lord. And then he turns right around and says, all right, now I'm going to give you my victory for it. So you don't have to deal with it no more. And that's what he gave us when we said yes to Jesus Christ. It's not something that you have to go back and get. And that's the problem. That's where the Pentecostals have gotten it mixed up. They thought, okay, you got to get saved. Then you got to go on a little bit later and get sanctified. And then after you get sanctified, go get filled with the Holy Ghost. And then after you get done with that, you're good to go. No, my friend, you get, you're sanctified when you get saved. But because before the Lord can justify you as clean, guess what? You got to be declared clean. You got to be cleaned up. He ain't going to justify something that's dirty. You're clean and sanctified the moment that you come to Christ Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 6, I believe, verse 11 tells us, and you are sanctified and justified. Sanctified was put first. You've got to be cleaned up, which only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then God can justify you and declare you as a legal work clean. But this sanctification that takes place is progressive. Changing our condition, what we are right now, our current status of who we are. And he's trying to bring that up to our position in Christ. See, your position in Christ says you're holy, says you're perfect, says you're righteous, says you're kingdom ready. That's wonderful to know. Let me tell you, again, we don't truly understand justification and what it all encompasses. That even when I fail, I don't have to be fearful because he's got me. He don't kick me out because I messed up. If he did, ain't nobody going to be saved. Heaven's empty and nobody's going to make it. You're justified by your faith, not by your performance, by your faith. So he's trying to bring our condition, who we are right now, even though we're saved, even though we're spirit-filled, even though we've been serving the Lord for many years, we still are not up to par, if you will, on our own. And there's something within us, there's a lot that's within us, that he still wants to clean out and change about you and I and to get us up to that position. Yeah, I say it like this, your position's up here, your condition and mine way on down here. But he's working in me every day. That's right. And we go up and down like a roller coaster. And he wants to bring us little by little up to our position. Will you ever arrive there? Yes, when you get to glory. You won't arrive there until you get to glory. When you get that glorified body and you're free from the presence of the sin nature. But until then, my friend, you and I still have got the presence of the sin nature there's no power that's there. He stripped it away. Well, you got saved, amen. But there still is a whole lot about you and I that he wants to change that ain't Christ-like. Right. Well, what are you talking about? Well, when we talk about people, when we run them down to the ground, when we get mad because somebody's poured out in front of us on the road, and we say things that ain't too Christ-like. You know, there's all kinds of things that we do that he wants to change about us, amen? How we treat people, our attitude. I hear Brother Torrance Nash saying it all the time, and it is so true. We concentrate, especially as Pentecostals, and yes, we believe in the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. We are fully Pentecostal. We believe in the evidence of speaking with other tongues. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and Pentecostals want all of this, but they're not worried about fruit. 
We should be more worried about fruit being developed in our life than gifts being developed. I want to be Christ-like, amen? I don't want to come in here and just shout on Sunday and run the aisles and speak with other tongues and then on Monday treat my neighbor wrong. I want to be able to love my enemy. That comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, helping us to love our enemy, even those that despitefully use us, that persecutes us. That comes only through the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's so much more to this Christian life than shouting and lifting up holy hands and singing. It's about our character of Him changing us each and every single day. Amen. So again, every bit of sin, and I mean every sin, was dealt with at Calvary. And a sacrifice was always demanded in the Old Testament for man's sin, but yet it never could atone. The, the, the sacrifice in the Old Testament was a stopgap measure, if you will, and it could not atone for man's sin. The only atonement for man's sin is the cross of Christ. So that tells us, and again, Paul is saying here, you got a sin problem, you got something going on, take it to the cross where it was handled and where it was dealt with. Don't try to cover it up. Don't try to, uh, to do a lot of good deeds to get rid of it. Take it to the cross. Amen? Again, the, law, the, the cross of Christ has released us from the law, and it has now placed us up underneath the flow of grace. Grace, the Holy Spirit. Again, law connect. Grace demands so much more than the law. Why? Because law was thou shalt not. You can't do this. You can't do that. But now grace, you've got a person, again, living with inside of a person, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that now I don't need a rule book to tell me. I've got the Holy Spirit who will tell me. I don't need to wait till Sunday to hear you shall not. I don't have to wait till I get six months into my reading plan before I finally realize something's wrong. No, the Holy Spirit's going to check my spirit right then and there and say, you just messed up. That was wrong. Get it underneath the blood. Amen. All right. The grace, again, is a person living inside of a person. John 14, 27 says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not. That word him lets us know that that's the third person of the Trinity. Holy Spirit's not in it. It's a him. It's a person. Him. And neither knows him. But you know him. Yeah. How do you know yeah. him? For he dwells with you and he shall be in you. My God, he don't just dwell with you, stay inside of you. He's inside of you. That's why Christ said it's expedient that I go away so that another comforter can come that will be in you. Right now, I can only be with you here and there. But when I go away, you don't ever have to worry about me being gone because he's going to be inside of you wherever you go. So we know that this, of course, happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was ushered into the world and now can abide in the hearts of every blood-bought, born-again child of God. Amen. All right, so if we've got to get rid of self, we've got to put self to the side and rest in Christ and what he has done. Amen. The last thing I want to say about the Holy Spirit as we move into this, we are not to let our conscience be our guide. You hear that statement being made many times and people will say, well, let your conscience be your guide. No, no. The Bible says our hearts are evil and desperately wicked. Our conscience cannot be our guide. 
We need the Holy Spirit to be our God. It's not what we think. It's not what we think looks right. What does the Word of God say? And what is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? Amen. He's to be the one who guides us, and he will always guide us into all truth. Amen. So again, Paul lets us know that our old man's been crucified with Christ so that the body of sin might be destroyed. And since it's taken place, we should not serve sin. The body of sinful lust and corruption that was once upon us has been destroyed when it was crucified on the cross. So again, when you said yes to Jesus Christ, that sin nature that was alive and well within you, when you died, it died. I mean, I'm sorry, when you died, that was it. You don't have to obey the commandments of it anymore because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus that possesses the divine nature. Okay? Do I still possess the sin nature? You do. I do. Everybody does. But the difference between the believer and the unbeliever is that the, the sin nature in the believer has been deactivated, has been disconnected. And you're now plugged up to a new power source, the Holy Spirit, the divine nature that's now leading us and guiding us. Well, how do I keep that sin nature dormant? How do I keep it at bay where it's not causing me problems? Sort of like a dog. You know, when a dog is laying down, it's there, it's alive, it's resting, but its eyes are looking around, just looking for that one wrong move to jump up and go. Almost when it sees somebody that it doesn't recognize, right? And we want that dog to lay dormant, but all of a sudden, when somebody shows up at the door, it gets rolled up and goes. The sin nature inside of you and I has been laid dormant, has been rendered powerless. But believe you me, there, it's waiting on an opportunity to activate up in our lives that causes problems. Well, how does it get activated? When you take your faith off of Christ and what he's done. When you've removed yourself from the provision, you've activated an ugly monster, the sin nature, and then it begins to cause you and I problems. We don't preach sinless perfection, but we do preach that sin shall not have dominion over you. The sin nature shall not have lordship over you. Too many believers have the sin nature ruling and reigning within them. They hate it, but it's having dominion over their lives, and they don't understand why. And a lot of believers don't believe, though, that an individual can be saved. Yes, they can. Read Romans chapter 7 and you'll see the life of the Apostle Paul who was saved for 10 years, spirit-filled, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, struggling with sin. So yes, you can love the Lord with everything within you. And if you do, listen, if your sin bothers you, you're saved. An unsaved person's sin don't bother them. But if there's a struggle that's there, it's because of the fact that there's a, 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 a roar going on, if you will, between the divine nature and the sin nature. You're doing these things that you don't want to do because you don't understand that what you're battling has already been defeated. Amen. So Christ did not die. You placed in him and now call yourself a Christian, as many do, to remain in their old lifestyle. You, there's too many professing Christians that are Christian in name only. They profess the name of Christ. They profess that they know him, but they remain in that constant state of sin and that habitual life of sinning that they were doing before supposed conversion. Listen, if, a, if, if, a, if an encounter with Christ doesn't change you, then you've not had an encounter with Christ. 
An encounter with Christ and truly accepting him is going to change you. It's, he, he didn't, listen, he don't come to put a band-aid. He don't come to patch up some. No, no. He comes to make something new out of you. Amen. And he gives us a brand new heart. We're a new creature now in Christ Jesus. Amen. The old man has died. And now a new person has risen. Amen. So the lust of the sinful nature, who you were before, was destroyed on the cross of Christ. So when Paul here is saying in verse 7, for he who is dead, he's talking about believing sinners is freed from sin. You're free tonight from the sin nature. Well, I'm having a problem, though, and I've got to set out and do something. No, no. In Christ, you're free. See, you're already free tonight, even though you may not be living a victorious life. In Christ Jesus, you are free. And we don't realize that because we focus on the bondage instead of who we are in Christ. And we're focusing on that bondage. We're focusing on that problem. And we're saying no, 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 no. And coming up with new ideas and trying to defeat it and not realizing, hey, I'm free in Christ Jesus. The Bible says for he who is dead is freed from sin. And let me tell you, that's not just a past tense. That's also present with present effects every day. You're free today. You're going to be free tomorrow. You're going to be free the next day. As long as you stay in Christ Jesus, you are free. But the reason why we don't see a life of freedom is because we're not looking to the sacrifice. Because we're not looking exclusively to what he has done and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to bring us and help us to walk in victory. He never intended for you and I to defeat the problem. He never intended for you and I to handle the sin problem. He did it at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Give it to him, the problem, and now walk in victory. Give, let me have it. Now walk in victory. You're free. You're free. The handcuffs, the bondage, the shackles of sin were taken off the day that you said yes to Jesus Christ. And so now the sin nature can no longer, you know why? It can't have legal hold over you because the blood of Jesus Christ paid the sin debt. See, there's a debt to sin. Satan has legal hold over everyone that has not said yes to Jesus Christ. But when you said yes to Jesus Christ, he lost that legal hold. The debt's been paid in full. It's like there was an outstanding balance, if you will. It's like if you know what you own on your home, if you own a home or a car or whatever, and you got an outstanding balance, and until that balance gets paid, you're in debt to that creditor, to that mortgage company, to that car company, to whoever. But when it would be like somebody, though, if you owe, say, 100000 on your home, and you go to make the house payment, they click in on that computer, and they go, mm -mm, sorry, this has been paid in full. Somebody come by and paint it. Lord, I would shout hallelujah for sure then. That's the way it was with you and I when it come to our sin. Our sins were so many and there was nothing that could be done to pay for it. But Christ came by and stamped it with his blood and said, paid in full. He's mine now. She's mine now. Satan, you've lost control. They're mine. I purchased them. I bought them. I paid the price that was owed, the ransom that was owed for their soul. I paid for it so they belong to me now and because they belong to me I'm giving them my victory I'm giving them my deliverance I'm giving them my healing I'm giving them everything that was lost in the garden of Eden by the first Adam because me the last Adams came and one back took back everything that was lost Amen. that's what we are who we are in Christ Jesus we're sons and daughters of the most high God amen 
So again, it cannot have control over you. The sin nature, the sin nature that has been destroyed, meaning rendered powerless, uh, it doesn't deny the presence of it. See, while you're here on earth, though we're justified, meaning saved from our past sin, we are also being saved. Again, that sanctification, it means that not only have we been, been saved, a past work, but we're being saved even right now. We're being saved from ourselves, amen, because we continuously fall short of the glory of God. Listen, you can walk in victory, you can have abundant life, but you still don't measure up to who you really are in Christ. So you're continuously, constantly being saved each and every single day, amen? So even though the sin nature is still there, it's rendered powerless because it, why? The, he used the word destroyed. It's been destroyed. It was like it was like that ball and chain that's on you. Or it's like if you're on probation, you know, they put an ankle monitor on you. You know, they don't come off wherever you go. But listen, though, that, it's like that's the way the sin nature was to you and I. It shackled us. It had control. And, and it done everything. It commanded us to do everything that we did that was evil. But when Jesus Christ saved you, boom, it was destroyed. Mm -hmm. Rendered powerless. So therefore, now I can live holy. He's given me the power. What's the power? The Holy Spirit to now live a holy life. I can now live unto God. But before I can live unto God, I've got to die. And I've got to stay dead in order to continue to live unto God. Amen. So the moment we shift our faith away from the cross of Christ, which is where sin was addressed and where sin was handled, we stepped outside of God's provision and prescribed order of victory. And now we will see where the sin nature has the latitude to be able to wreak havoc over our lives. Amen. So as Christians, we walk to live for God. We want to live for God and upright before him. But only in Christ can you walk and live unto him as you should. So this, listen, when we're talking about the sin nature and when we're talking about living and walking in victory, there is a similarity between what took place when you said yes to Jesus as well as what takes place when you realize that you're free from the sin nature. To walk in victory. You simply evidence faith in Christ and what he done to receive salvation. To walk in victory and to have an abundant life, it's the same thing. You look to Christ and accept what he has done for you. That's the problem. We accept his blood. We accept his work for salvation. We believe salvation is by faith, but then turn right around and say sanctification is by work. And it doesn't work that way. Sanctification is done the same way that justification come in. And it's by faith and faith alone. Amen. So if I try to address it. If I try to address the sin problem. And not understand that I'm already free. Then I'm going to either use willpower or works. Or really better words, the law. But I'm to address it with the cross where it was handled and defeated. Amen. You see, law tries to achieve something where grace says it's already been accomplished. See, grace says that you're free tonight. Grace says I've rendered them free tonight. I've paid the sin debt. They are free tonight. But the law says I'm trying to get out of something. I'm trying to get out of bondage. Listen, when you said yes to Jesus Christ, you were set free. Free. I'm free. Praise God, I'm free. Amen. But our lives don't emulate freedom. 
And the reason why our lives don't emulate freedom is because we don't know that the body of sin was destroyed. So we're trying to defeat something that's already been destroyed, defeated. It's like beating, as that old saying, a dead horse to death. You see a horse that's dead, it would be stupid to keep trying to beat it. It's already dead. Why are we trying to defeat something that's already dead? That's already been destroyed. Because again, only the blood of Jesus Christ could destroy it. Amen. So Paul stresses and drives home this point to the believer and says that it's destroyed and we don't have to serve it because verse 7 tells us that we're free from it. <coughs> Listen, a person that is dead is free from commands. Amen. You look at your pet, you can give them commands and say, sit, jump, bark, and as long as that animal's alive, it will obey the commands of its master. But guess what? That animal dies. You can tell it to bark, you can tell it to jump, you can tell it to sit, and it ain't going to do none of those things. Why? It's dead. When you died, you're now freed from the commands of that wicked, evil nature. You don't have to obey it anymore. And I, you're so free, I don't even have to look at it and say no to it. It's done. I'm saying yes to Christ. I'm saying yes to Christ and what he's done. I don't have to listen to you before I had to. But because I'm in Christ, I don't have to listen to the sin nature anymore. I don't have to obey those evil commands. When the temptation comes, I don't have to fulfill the lust of it because I know I'm in Christ who paid the debt of sin. But if we don't look to Christ where sin was addressed, then we're going to try to tackle the problem, the sin all upon our own. And failure is what we are going to find. You see, the sin nature can only gain control and can only cause problems to the believer that is living outside of Christ. You see, when you came to Christ, again, you die with him, which freed you from the sin nature, and it freed you from rendering obedience to it. You see, our initial faith in Christ was sufficient enough to bring freedom. Your initial faith, when you said yes to Jesus Christ, was enough for freedom. You don't have to do anything else. You were free. But the problem is, is that our faith wanders around and then we land on something other than the cross. Because we don't anchor our faith there. Remember I said it the other Sunday night. It's like a boat that's traveling in the water. They throw out the anchor so that what? The boat don't move. You need to throw out an anchor where you got delivered at the cross and don't move from what he did. You're now in Christ. Throw out that anchor as him and stay steadfast in what he's done for you. But if you don't throw it out, then you're going to be tossed all around and your faith goes to wandering. Well, then where can I place my faith at to receive what it is that I need? And then we'll land on the wrong object. Because if it ain't on Christ and him crucified and what he did, you've landed on the wrong object. Right. What you've landed on is flesh. And anything that is not of faith, it is sin, the Bible says. So our faith, what initially saved us, what initially gave us freedom, is where we need to keep it at so that our faith don't wander around. Listen, I know because I lived this life for many years. My faith was wandering. I was placing it in myself. I was placing it in law. I was placing it in this. It was wandering around and let me land on here today. Let it land on here today. It's sort of like that Plinko, you know, that they have on the prices, right? Where they stand up there and put the chips and they're always hoping to get in the middle. And it just bounces all around. Never know where it's going to land. That's the way my faith was each and every single day. Didn't know where it was going to land. I had accepted Christ for my salvation. 
but my faith was being moved around each and every single day. Planet in Christ. Well, what if I fail the Lord tomorrow? Get back up and go back to the cross. Because the cross works. It's you and I who don't work. Our plans don't work. Our law don't work. It doesn't work. He works. Amen? And usually it's going to get a lot harder. I've heard it explained there by Brother Swagger there. When, the, when Moses went before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Guess what? He didn't let them go on the first time, did he? In fact, the taskmasters made it even harder. So a lot of times before that bondage will go away, it will get even more prevalent in your life. But as Moses kept going back by the seventh time, then guess what? He let him go. Keep going back to the cross with no matter what the problem is. I don't care if you fail to that thing 28 times. You get back up and go 29 times. Because if you don't quit, God won't quit. It don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap. Don't grow weary because you keep failing. Don't grow weary. You're in Christ. And but stand on that. I'm, I'm victorious in Christ. Lord, I know I failed. I'm coming to you. I repent of it. And I take up what you did for me. And I take your victory. And if you'll keep doing it, I promise you without a shadow of a doubt. Because I stand here as a testimony that victory will come. Because that's only where your victory's at tonight. That's only where your victory's at tonight. You don't have to search around. Your freedom is found when you said yes to Christ. Amen. All right, let me move on. We're about to be done. The sin nature controlled the old you. And again, you, the old you that was not in Christ. So if I move my faith from Christ, guess what? It will control me again. The sin nature controlled you before you entered into Christ where it lost control. So if I move from Christ, guess what? It gains control again. It gains control now over a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that's why you will live in a miserable state that Romans chapter 7. Because you are you, you went from old man being controlled by the same nature where you didn't care. You shifted over here where you're now a new creature in Christ Jesus. And when you move from Christ, you don't go back to the old man. You're a new man, but you moved yourself from Christ. And guess what? This ugly sin nature is, oh, I can hop over here and I can wreak havoc. Why? Because you're not staying in Christ where sin was defeated. Where it can't render uh, uh, horrible results in your life. But because you stepped outside of Christ, he's now got latitude to come in and to cause you and I problems. Amen. So again, this is what Paul is laying out here in chapter 6. The mechanics and function of the Holy Spirit within our lives. He brought you to victory. He plunged you to victory beneath the cleansing flow. That's why when we were singing that song last Sunday morning, you could feel the presence of the Lord to sweep in here. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He loved me ere I knew him. With all my love, he bought me. I can't remember now the words. If I sing it, I know, but I'm not going to attempt to sing. But he plunged me to victory. He plunged me. I look at it as like somebody dropping into water. You know, if they're uh, in a plane and they plunge into the water. They pl he plunged you. He plunged you, all of you, into victory. Where's it at? Beneath the cleansing flow. Uh -huh. 
That's where your victory is at, beneath the blood, in the blood of Jesus Christ. Is your victory, is my victory, where my freedom is found. Amen? So again, he's laying it out, the, the, the mechanics of it. And so now this new life can be lived according to his holy word because you've got dunamis power, Holy Ghost power that's now been given to you to live a holy life. Where did this dunamis power come from? The day of Pentecost, when the, the Holy Spirit descended and now lives inside of every blood-bought, born child of God. You've got the same spirit that raised up Christ Jesus. Romans 8 tells us that well, the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead is living inside of you and has quickened us to become alive in Christ Jesus. So we're free tonight. We're free from the sin nature. Why? Because you died. So we got to realize that tonight. I'm dead. I died with Christ. That old man is buried in that tomb. And he told Lazarus and told the old grave clothes, loose him and let him go. Why? Because he made him to come alive. There was no need for the grave clothes anymore. If those grave clothes don't stay on an alive man. You're now a new creature in Christ Jesus. So the grave clothes have got to go in the name of Jesus. And as he was spoken, Lazarus didn't take off them grave clothes. Uh-uh. He spoke the word of the grave clothes. Come on. Loose him and let him go. And that's what he's saying to you and I. When we got saved, he said, loose him and let him go. We're free tonight in Christ. Why? Because we're dead. And he that is dead is freed from sin. Amen. 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 Let's just close out the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you tonight for your word, Lord. God, we thank you for your presence that's been in this house. Lord, we thank you for your spirit, God. We thank you for the word that has went forth. And God, we know, Lord, that God, you have worked within our hearts and our lives tonight, God. And I'm believing, Lord, that the struggle that has been there with sin, Lord, is no longer going to be because we realize, God, and who we are, Lord, that we belong to you and that you set us free at Calvary, Lord. And so, God, I pray whatever the bondage and whatever the problem and sin might be, whether it's fear, whether it's condemnation, whether whatever the sin that it may be, God, I pray, Lord, let us take it to you, Lord, and take up the victory that you won for us. Let us see ourselves, Lord, for how you see us, and that is victorious in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us at Calvary 2,000 years ago. We thank you, Lord, that you're continuously changing us and transforming us into the image of Christ. And Lord, I pray, continue to develop the fruit, Lord, in yeah. our lives each and every single day that we might be the witnesses, Lord, unto a lost and dying world. Father, be with your people again tonight, Lord, and to the next appointed hour that we join together. We'll forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen, amen. and amen. Thank amen. each and every one of you for joining with us online tonight. Uh, we, have, we pray that this has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. Thank you guys for being here with us tonight. Remember, tomorrow night, our men and women's meeting uh, where we have word and fellowship, a Bible study, Saturday morning be in prayer if you can't be here. Um, I'm just believing the Lord to do a great work Amen. amongst our law enforcement, just believing he's going to touch hearts and lives. And then, of course, remember to be here in our service. Be here. There's some of you out there that's been watching, I believe, every service, but you need to get here. we got plenty of seating to be able to practice social distancing. I know it's good online, but it ain't as good as being here in person. Right. Amen. So be here at 1030 and invite someone to come out with you. We love each and every one of you. God bless.